guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream, dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin. And do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. If you would bow with me. Father, we are grateful for your word. We ask for understanding. Um, we ask for a desire to know what you've said. So we ask uh, today that you would uh, help us by your spirit to uh, treasure your words. In Christ's name, amen. You know, life is filled with uh, what the writer says, vanity and striving after wind. People try to find out, like, kind of how to get through life and to get away from that, but it's it, you just don't. I mean, it's a it's something that we experience both as a non-believer and as a believer. It is uh, difficult for us. There are a lot of complexities in life and things where you just don't quite understand them. Uh, people go about it after that. They try to uh, kind of find ultimate meaning uh, with life under the sun. Uh, through wisdom, so they may study. Uh, he'll talk about like the excessive reading of books to gain wisdom. So that's sometimes what people do, and they'll think, "Well, I can find ultimate meaning in my life, ultimate satisfaction, and joy and pleasure through that." Other people just say, "You know what? Reading books like never really. I, I didn't dig that, and so uh, I like to pleasure myself in whatever way possible." And so that could be. Uh, something like uh, spending time outdoors in this area, that would be very common. Uh, it could be uh, just all kinds of sensual pleasures that people pursue. Uh, it could be a, a lot of different things, and people could work their whole life and strive to do those things, both in the light and in the dark. And he says, you will not find meaning and pleasure ultimately from those things. The third one is work. I mean, people pursue that, and so we've talked about that. And it, you could run after whatever, build whatever, accomplish whatever, and uh, you will not find ultimate meaning in those things. All those things, rightly understood, have their place. Uh, but but if you find it, if you try to put the weight of your existence upon those things, you will find them never leading to what you think that they'll lead to. And then uh, what we found out. So that's kind of where we started out. As we move forward, we said, I mean, and the writer says that, um, you know, all this activity, God is in charge of it. He made it all. He's uh, designed it all. He has a plan. Things kind of go through these cycles. 
and you can see his work and stand in awe of him or not. I mean, it can either make you really sad or make you very, you know, glad hearted towards God. But ultimately, uh, we have to see that. And it's hard for us to see that a lot. And we forget that and we don't want to to look and consider all that he has done. So last week, what he said was, you know what, like there's this time for everything and uh, all you kind of need to do as a result at the end of all of this is uh, there's going to be a lot of wickedness and oppression and difficulty in this life and you're going to watch it and observe it and see it on display and it's going to make you scratch your head. But what you need to do is as far as it depends on you, uh, enjoy the work that you have to do. Enjoy the activities that you have to do and uh, enjoy others in it. Be thankful for what God's given you and partner with other people and experience all the fullness of of those things that you can, but know that they're not ultimate like answers to life. Today, we're going to talk about the ultimate answer to life. Today, we're going to talk about the worship of God. But we're going to talk about it in the context of like, what is wise worship? Because you could worship in a faulty way. What is wise worship? And so he's going to take you on a road beyond the sun. And that's really helpful. And I think we need to do that. Now, he's going to say there are people that come to church that attend for all kinds of reasons. And uh, he's going to say, look, if you are... Um, serious about serving God, desire to honor God, uh, you need to think seriously about what it means to go beyond the sun and to spend time with him. God doesn't want you to just check off the list. And so that's really, really important. We want ourselves to live in such a way where we're offering our lives back to God over and over and over again in a way that gives him glory. And so um, if you're uh, if you've been around churches very long, you know, some people uh, think a lot about what people in the world think about what they do on Sunday mornings. Did you know that? They spend a lot of time thinking about what worldly people think about what they do on Sunday mornings. We think a lot about what God would think about what we do. And then, this is why. It's not because we hate people. It's because we love people. And uh, giving people what they want is not the most important thing to us. But honoring God so that they will delight in Him is what. So it's both loving God for, it's both loving to God and loving to people. And so we're talking about that today we're talking about wise worship now the first thing is is you are to listen you just need to stop and listen verse one says guard your steps when you go to the house of god to draw near to listen is better than the offer, offering of sacrifice of a fool for they do not know that they are doing evil what's he saying gathering as a church is important to God. The songs you sing, the words that you say, the intent of your heart when you're doing it, the way you listen to a sermon is important to God. All of that stuff matters to Him. We don't come here 
in a half-hearted, silly manner. We're not thinking that we have a silly God. And so we want to honor Him, the one true and living God. How many of you have been hunting before? Lots of you, a number of you. Well, I mean, a lot of guys, especially like uh, certain kinds of hunting, they want to slip into the woods quietly, not disturbing the area. And um, I think about that with regard to, sometimes when you think about, well, I think about with my three boys, when they enter into the woods, that's not usually on their mind, you know? I remember not too long ago, I was walking through the woods, I was probably 10 yards ahead of them, and I began to hear, bam, bam, and they're just like taking sticks and like hitting the tree. I think they're trying to get the squirrels to come out of the trees, but they're like pounding on them, you know, and I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? And you look over there and you think, well, uh, we had a lot of fun today, but we didn't see anything. But I think that's important to know, to say that in this way. When you enter in to worship God, how do you come? Are you aware that in the gathered church you're coming before God? When you're sitting there as a kid, as an adult, what are you thinking about with regard to the worship of God? Do you come in still in your head, boasting inside your head about how awesome you are? You telling your friends as you come to the worship, like, look at all that I've done, accomplished, you know? Are you conscious of God? The arrogant do not want to listen to his word. Listening to his word, the arrogant think, I've already got his word down. I've heard this before. I don't need to listen anymore. Well, that's not exactly the heart presented here. The heart here is be careful how you enter into the presence of a holy God. And it's a heart that knows that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the words of Christ. You have like to begin to move in that direction because you have this tendency to become spiritually dull. Become in the presence of God as if it's kind of on your terms. And you know what you find out is in a, really in the new eras, I guess you could say, of worship, uh, when God's people, you saw that these two men, uh, they offered up unholy fire, and then people that lied to God about what they put in the offering plate. Those people died, you know? And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we have to say, like, it should be sobering to enter into his presence. One of the benefits as a Christian to consider when you're thinking about it is, as frightening as that may be, we do an assurance of pardon every week. We're assuring people of their hope in Christ. We're saying, cling to the cross. Hebrews 2.12 says, Jesus says, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. He demonstrates that he perfectly worshipped. He was what we failed to be and what we fail to be today. We have to constantly be reminded of that. 
So when we start our worship service, we do a call to worship, behold God, behold God. A call to confession, see yourself, and then assurance of pardon, cling to the cross. It's often called the gospel reenactment service, and that is what we hope, and we are putting our confidence in Christ, even with regard to our faulty worship, but that doesn't mean we don't stop and say, Listen, listen, why are you so not just set on not listening? Why are you so dull of hearing? And we are saying, don't be a fool, be wise. Now, with regard to the speech, like what do we say? What do we say? Well, first he says, be slow to speak. I told one of my sons the other day, don't say a word when you get in this truck. For the whole duration of our trip, I don't want to hear from you. I wasn't being mean to him totally. I just wanted him to listen to other people just for a little bit. Speech, be slow to speak. Be not brash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. That, that's that's a pretty powerful statement. He's saying, God is in heaven. He is the king of the universe. He created everything. There's nothing that he does not know. He knows the words before you speak them. He knows the heart behind them. Anna always messes with me, even though I'm messing with my son. She messes with me about like how many words a day, you know, the word count for the average day is shocking. She has to do what I did the other day. Don't come in here talking all day. No. But, she, but it's interesting, because you have to stop and consider, am I listening? And what he says here is, in verse 3, for a dream comes with much business, and a fool's voice with many words. Now, the other thing is to say, again, from the heart of it, you could sing many songs and not have a heart. To sing, not give praise to God. A humble heart before God is what is most important here. It's not just about the number of words. It's about the way in which you are saying the words. Let your words be few before the Lord. Your thoughts are not his thoughts. So you need to hear his thoughts. You need to listen to what he says. Verse 3 again, For a dream comes with much business, and a fool's voice with many words. Have you ever had a wild dream? Sometimes when you're real busy, you'll have crazy dreams. And um, I've had dreams like that where... Um, one time I thought, I think I thought Anna... That our bed was a boat, and Anna threw my cousin off the boat. 
And so, like, I'm jumping into, I find myself on all fours, you know, jumping into the water to save him, not knowing why she would cast my cousin into the sea, all in a dream. But sometimes when we're busy, dreams are that way. And uh, just as dreams are kind of random and can be wild and crazy, so a fool's words. Longman states, work leads to many dreams, foolishness leads to many words. But again, it's not really just about the amount of words. It is the, the reasons behind the words. What you are actually saying. Why you are saying it. All of those things. Another time that we need to go back to the scriptures and say, Jesus used words. And he always used the perfect word. We can trust in him and hope in him and rest in him. Every word that he spoke was true. When we are rash, he was never rash. When he was persecuted, he didn't spout back off to the end of his life, even dying on the cross. Every word was chosen perfectly. And so we can trust in his words as our hope in the struggle with misusing words. Watch what you say in worship. Listen and speak and speak in a way that is right and good and true to God and honoring to him. Another kind of speech that can happen in worship you see in verse four and five is the kind of speech where you make vows to God. So this could be, you could say, part two of speech here is do what you say. How many of you have rushed into some kind of vow? That was really common in the Old Testament. You saw Hannah and um, Jephthah and different ones in the, even in the context of worship, public worship, they would make vows to God. Psalm 76.11 says, Make your vows to the Lord your God and perform them. Let all around him bring gifts to him who is to be feared. What's he saying? If you're going to make a promise, you do it. We really live in a culture right now where, and, and I'm guilty of it and you probably are, where it is hard to find someone that will, do, that will do what they say they're going to do in the time that they say that they'll do it. Sometimes you've probably prayed, Lord, if you'll take away these consequences of my sin, then I will start going to church. Lord, if you will, um, you know, maybe give me more money, I'll start tithing. And the list goes on. Lord, if you'll make me feel better, I will, I don't know, serve in a food pantry or whatever. I mean, just different things you want to offer back to God. And you're just quick to forget. And God doesn't consider those idle words. 
He wants you to be honest in the way that you speak. Verse 6. Let not your mouth lead you to sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? What's he saying? When someone comes to pick up what, whether you promise to do something, a lot of times these were tied to giving something, and they come to get it. Don't say the messenger, oh, I was just kidding. I didn't really mean that. He's saying, let your mouth not lead you into sin. Better to not say it than to not do it. When you are baptized, you are declaring that I will follow Christ all the days of my life. Not too long ago, someone said, hold those kids to their baptism. Because what you're saying is, I am publicly identifying myself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Call them to hold fast to that commitment. It is of eternal consequence. Make your vows, but make them and intend to keep them. And do it quickly. One author wrote, This is why people say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Because people say, I'm going to do that someday. And tomorrow never comes. And it's a frightening thing to find yourself in that way. So here's what he's saying. As you think about Ecclesiastes, he is saying life under the sun has a lot of difficulty. I want to take you beyond the sun and I'm going to teach you what it means to worship God, to fear him and love and and revere him, to honor him, to live a life to be pleasing to him. So wise worship means that you listen It means you watch what you say as you speak. And it means you do what you say. But then the question is, what about the heart? Verse 7. For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one that you must fear. What's he saying? The hard attitude that we come to worship with is so important. You could say something like, just like you don't read much into dreams, don't read much into the big talker. The person that jabbers all the time about nonsense. Instead, let your words be few. Stand before the presence of God, ready to listen to what He says. Let there be a holy fear in your life. Let your heart be, pray that your heart would be wanting to listen to what He says. Your mind and your heart given over to God. Talk is cheap. 
And God knows when it is. There are some people that I have visited with, and it gets to the point where I think, I can't listen to them anymore. Some of you are still listening to them. Shame on you. Why would you be a fool? A fool surrounds themselves with fools and listens to their words. People that listen to God will not, they will tire of listening to foolishness. We started this church. We started this church so that when we would gather, what we said about God to the best of our ability would be true. What we said in the context of worship, we would, to the best of our ability, you could count on the songs that we would sing would reflect who He was. The Spirit at which we come here would be a demonstration that He is a holy God. We did not start this thing to make you think, oh, that's a fun place to be. We want you to delight in God. To see Him. To consider Him. To keep your mouth shut about everything else going in the world and to listen. To sit before His Word. To be still and know. To keep your mouth shut, your ears open and think, Behold our God seated on the throne. When we say we mean it, we mean it! We mean it! We mean that what we're doing here matters. And if it doesn't matter to you, and if you don't care about the things of God, you'll never want to be here. Because we will saturate you in the truth. We want you to see Him. We want you to live in awe of Him. We want you to delight in Him. And we know how easy it is to not. We all know how easy it is to not delight in God. We struggle with that. So we're fighting for that. Mike Smith told me early on, what you're saying you're going to do is going to be the hardest thing to do it will be difficult for you to stay the course the church will always be adrift by the culture it's going to be a fight and so we said then anchor ourselves in heaven take the words of hebrews and you say throw your anchor into heaven and grip that tightly and never let go because if you want to live as if life under the sun is what you see, fine. But if you want to go with the wisdom teacher up to heaven and see what life truly is and who reigns on the throne, when you don't understand, then let's do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Maybe we'd be wise worshipers. 
May our ears and our mouths and hearts reflect the honor and the praise and the glory that you deserve. When they don't, may we throw ourselves on the mercy of the Son In Jesus' name, amen. If you would stand with me at this time.